0: Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Welcome again to In Doubt, the show that exists to bring the gospel to the relevant issues of life and faith that we all face every day, hoping to inspire conversation, but intentional conversation. You know, we strive to live out this mission through creating this show that you're listening to right now. Every Monday, a new conversation comes out with a different guest talking about a different topic. So if you head to our archives on our site, you'll see conversations on mental health, alcohol, transgenderism, music, the gospel, and so on. There's a lot more online. I encourage you to go check it out. And if also you head to our site, you're going to find articles, you're going to find a free video Bible study on Jude for individual or group use, and more. This week we're talking about worship, and worship is really relevant for everyone because we all do it. Worship, that is. Uh, The word worship, usually, I mean, it brings up kind of ideas of religion and gods and so on, but if we're honest with ourselves, we worship every day. And not just gods, but people, objects, ourselves, other things. In fact, I don't know if you've heard of the group Beautiful Eulogy. They're this Christian rap group from Portland, Oregon. But anyways, in their song called Messiah, uh, they have this line that says, I'm not going to rap it, by the way, I'm just going to say it. I suppose what exposes the worship in most of us is a close look at most of our thoughts, fears, and emotions. So that line reveals more than just people and objects, but even what we fear and think about. Those things, right, can reveal what we worship. This week on the show, we talk with Bob Coughlin, someone who's been thinking about and participating in Christian worship for many years. Now whether or not you're a Christian, you may be skeptical right now in life, I get that, but whether or not you follow Jesus, Bob gives a great definition of worship that might surprise you, but it's important that we know it, and also talks about how to cultivate a worshipful heart. So here's a conversation with Bob. With me today is worship leader and author Bob Coughlin. Bob is the director of Sovereign Grace Music. He also equips pastors and musicians in the theology and practice of congregational worship. And he's done this through writing, conferences, many more avenues as well. Um, Anyways, it's great to have you with us today, Bob.
1: It's a great joy to be here, Isaac.
0: So, so we do have a little of a connection. We haven't really talked about this yet, but even though we've never met, uh, my brother-in-law is Joel Sabel, who oh. I know was serving with you um, and yes. even lived
1: at your house. Yes, they did. That one, of their, one of their children was born while they were living with us.
0: Yeah, my niece. So there's a little bit of a connection there. So already I feel like there's a little bit of a bond. <laughs> that's,
1: that's so great.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, firstly, why don't you just share uh, just a little bit about yourself? Maybe how'd you come to the faith?
1: Well, I was raised Roman Catholic and I was going to become a priest. That was my plan as a 14-year-old. I went to a junior seminary and then it shut down after, after the first half of the year I attended. I hope there wasn't a connection there. But after that, I went back to public high school. And then when I was a freshman in college, so I was about uh, 17, a guy from a ministry called Campus Crusade, now called Crew, uh, shared the gospel with me. He pursued me. Uh, I I met with him in the student union building. And it was there that I learned from Romans that when Jesus died on the cross for me, he, he got it all done. He uh, paid for every one of my sins, and I didn't need confession or some other act or some other work to secure forgiveness for my sins. So that was a was a life-transforming thought. I mean, it it certainly grew. I mean, I've been a Christian now for forty-seven, forty-six years, and I've continued to grow in my amazement at that reality. Uh, but it was that year, as 1972, when I first God first opened my eyes to see. Uh, that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our
0: Lord. That's so good. And the last forty-six years, what has that looked like for you? In a kind of a brief snapshots.
1: Oh man. Oh well, I finished college. I got a. I went to Temple University in Philadelphia. Got a piano performance degree. Then I was in a Christian band called Glad for eight years. Uh, we and they kept going. I left in '84. And then I became a pastor in 1985 with Sovereign Grace Churches. In '97, I became uh, I don't know what you call it well, uh, I do I started doing what I'm doing now, which is uh, director of Sovereign Grace Music. And so for the last 21 years, I've been a pastor in the local church, but also been overseeing Sovereign Grace music.
0: That's awesome. And I kind of want to ask really briefly about Sovereign Grace music. Not a lot of denominations which I, I, I think Sovereign Grace would be called a denomination, but not a lot of denominations have a whole, like huge music sort of section. So Sovereign Grace Music, as I know, it is quite this large resource kind of organization. Just let us know a little bit more about Sovereign Grace Music.
1: Yeah. Don't let looks deceive you. (laughs) Um, We are not a huge organization. Sovereign Grace Music began simply out of songs that uh, we were writing to serve our churches. We're a family of about Eighties, some churches now, and Mark Altrogi, Stephen Vicky Cook, and myself were the primary writers back in the 80s, and we just started writing songs for our people to sing, and uh, over the years, I think we've done some 60 projects, actually. Uh, not all, I mean, those go back to cassette tapes in the 80s and 90s. So, uh, we're, we currently release about one major album a year. Uh, and then we have been doing kids albums as well. We have five kids albums that we've done. We're about to release our fourth together for the gospel live album, which is just me on a piano, leading you know thousands, mostly men, at a pastors' conference that's held in Louisville, uh, here in Louisville, Kentucky, every other year.
0: year. Mm, that's awesome. That's so good, Bob. As we sort of shift now into the conversation that we're going to have, it generally it's about cultivating this heart of worship. But before we can get there, I kind of just want to ask you, what does it mean to to worship? And why do we often, uh, I think sometimes subconsciously, we sort of put a criteria, like we we say that someone's worshiping when they're doing this certain criteria of external actions, like shutting their eyes, Mm -hmm. swaying, crying, things Mm -hmm. like that. But we know instinctively that worship is bigger than that because people say that. But yeah, just flesh that out. What does it mean to worship?
1: Well, when I began in this position 21 years ago, one of the first things I did was start reading books about worship, which I hadn't done a lot of up until that time. I read Engaging with God by David Peterson, which I would highly commend to anyone who's involved with leading the music uh, in their church and for any pastor, a book called Adoration in Action. Anyway, I began to understand that, wow, worship isn't just the music. Uh, Worship isn't just a feeling. In fact, he begins with a quote that kind of debunks that. And it was like this shock for me what this is this is what i thought worship is and you know scripturally there, there are a number of words that we translate as worship in both the old and the new testaments the, the basic gist of them is you know it involves our attitudes and actions it's response to god in ways that show reverence and awe and it's the actions of servanthood so none of it's connected to music really which is so interesting uh, that we have kind of landed there as a culture. And I think worldwide, we we often describe worship as the singing. You know, when Jesus, in a well-known story, situation, was talking to the Samaritan woman in John 4, he talks about worship in spirit and truth, and we'll often use that phrase to describe what happens when we gather. Jesus wasn't really talking about music. There's no mention of music. He wasn't even talking really about gathering. <laughs> he was talking about approaching God through him by the power of the Spirit. You know, it's a little a lesson on the Trinity. And so, you know, biblically speaking, yeah, Christian worship is the response of God's redeemed people to his self-revelation that that exalts God's glory in Christ in our, you know, in our minds and our affections and our wills and all that's in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's, it takes God to worship God. We couldn't worship God apart from his enabling us to, but if we're going to worship him, we've got to worship him for who he really is, you know, who he's revealed himself to be. And then we've got to worship him in ways that honor him. Well, that goes far beyond singing. It it incorporates everything we do really and our thoughts and our words and our actions.
0: Right. No, that that's really helpful. You know, you sort of alluded to it, but I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts on why we often, you know, put worship to music. Uh, and you say the last, you know, how like a century or so, we've really done that. Why do you think that is?
1: Well, there's certainly a biblical precedent for using music to praise God. Uh, you know, the Psalms we have as an example. There's no soundtrack to the Psalms, but there are a number of musical references. We're, we see in Colossians three sixteen, Ephesians five eighteen, that Christians sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You know, Paul and Barnabas were singing at midnight in prison. They were singing hymns. It's like, whoa, what, what is that? Uh, what's what's going on there? Revelation is filled with hymns of praise to God. Uh, there is a a natural connection between truth words, which is truth specific. And music, which is kind of emotion specific, you know, it combines the two. When we sing, it combines the most specific form of communicating truth, which is words, with, with the least specific form of communicating truth, which is music, put, put it together. And so what it helps us do is feel the truth.
0: That's good. And this is kind of an interesting question I'm just kind of throwing in here now. How do you know if you're, you know, in your local church with the community of believers, your brothers and sisters in Christ, you're singing these songs, how do you know if you are genuinely worshiping God through those songs?
1: I think it begins with our minds. You know, are uh, are we thinking about things that enable us to exalt God's glory in Christ? You know, if I'm thinking about what I'm going to have for lunch, if I'm thinking about, you know, how hot it is in here, if I'm thinking about, well, does that person like me, if I'm thinking about the bills I have, you know, I'm worshiping, I'm just not worshiping God. I'm I'm, I'm valuing something at that moment, it's just not God. So, you know, I may not feel a ton, and this is where we often get off. We think of worship as a feeling. Worship isn't a feeling, it's an action, it's a response, uh, which often leads to feeling, uh, because the truth is that when we think about how God has, you know, in Jesus Christ, humbled himself and, and died in our place so that our sins could be paid for, and Jesus has risen from the dead, and he's ascended to his Father's right hand where he intercedes for us, and all this is so that we might be forgiven and adopted in God's family and experience eternal joy at his right hand, that's going to produce, you know, emotion and feeling, but it's... I may sing all those things and think about them, and yet not really be moved. Uh, but know that I've worshipped God because I've given Him the honor and the glory that's due His name.
0: Wow, that that's good. And I, I do want to come back to that one more time. But a question I do want to ask you is this: If worship is what you're saying it is, is this response to who God is? Then then how do we cultivate a worshipful heart? And mind. I know you've sort of touched on that already, but I'm thinking of this in kind of two ways. One, how how do we do this alone? So you, as just Bob, at home, waking up in the morning, just yeah. you, me, as Isaac, and so many others. But then also, how do we do this together in the community of the church?
1: Well, it's that's a great question because if we can't do it practically, <laughs> all the conversation really doesn't matter. Personally, individually, I I get up each morning, and my thoughts are going in a you know a hundred different directions. This morning I woke up, I was thinking about a conference I'm leading next week in Frisco, Texas, and things that I need to do. and So one of the things I start doing is just quoting scripture to myself. I've sought to memorize scripture. I keep keep on memorizing scripture. And I will just review uh, scriptures and just think about them, meditate on them, chew on them, not just get through them, but just think about, okay, this is the God that I love. This is the God who made me. And so that kind of begins to prime my heart to receive because worship begins with receiving we, we can't come to god on our own without him giving us something to come to him with so i think about and this often helps me just i think about how much i need god and how much he desires to help me you know those who my heart trusts in him and, and i am helped psalm 28 says and when i when i think about the lord uh, it helps me so i turn my thoughts to the lord i i read scripture i read his word i I seek to encounter him i read books about the bible um you know that stir my soul um and then occasionally i'll sing but not not too often because i i'm in a home with a lot of different people there uh so i can't really do that so it's it's focusing on who god has revealed himself to be in christ and what a difference that and then asking myself what what difference does that make in my life bringing my needs, my requests, and my concerns all to the Lord and, you know, trusting Him to, to do what only He can do with them. And then corporately, it's the same thing, congregationally. You know, we are, we are seeking to sing songs, pray prayers, you, to hear messages that reflect who God has revealed Himself to be. And I think oftentimes we aren't confident that, you know, the Word of God and the Gospel in and of themselves are are powerful enough to change people's lives and so we we look to technology and lights and and scripting and you know good communication techniques to kind of to impress people and those things should all be used just to to draw attention to who god is what he's done for us in christ and what a difference that makes in our lives
0: Bob, what can a Christian do if they just sense that their local church gathering or their their you know community group, Bible study at home, when they do, I don't know, do things that are quote unquote worshipful, if they don't really find that it is that worshipful, what can just one person sort of do to sort of help initiate or pioneer this more worshipful kind of mm. attitude and place in their church? Maybe they feel like the, the music is kind of cold and no one's really lively or anything like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first thing, because it's a general question, the first thing I do is just examine my own heart. It, it's, it's a truism that a worshiper worships God. You know, a Christian worshiper worships God. Like whatever situation I find myself in, music might be bad, the leadership might be bad, the, the setting might be bad. I, I'm, I'm not going to miss this opportunity to, to magnify the Lord, you know, in my heart and to magnify him in my, in my body and in my singing. So I don't want to be just sitting there, as, standing there as the critic, you know, the one who knows all, the Simon Cow of worship, uh, the one who's, uh, you know, just, and that's no offense against Simon Cow. he can be very insightful, um, but, you know, the one who just kind of critiques everything. So that's the first thing I do. I just ask God to make, to, to humble me and make sure that I'm really seeking to to honor him. And then if, if you feel there's still things that might change, I, I talk to the leaders, you know, I talk to a leader and I begin with questions, say, so how do you think about, like Sunday mornings, what am I supposed to be feeling? Or what am I supposed to be thinking? Or you know, how do you pick the songs? Or you know, how do we think about the Word of God in, in our meeting? And what place does that play? And, and then you know, after having that conversation, you might say, that's really good. I, I just want you to know that there are times when I really struggle with that. You know, what do you think I'm missing? Go at it humbly. And that will enable the, you know, the person you're speaking to either help you or to you know acknowledge well you know what that's just not your problem that we we could really change there so I think having a conversation about it
0: yeah that's so good Bob um, you said earlier on that to worship is or can be I should say void of feeling like you, this is a res- proper yeah. and honoring yeah. response and I just think that some people say that you know they are you know singing songs on on Sunday morning. Uh, they feel like they're actually being kind of hypocritical or inauthentic when they're singing those songs, possibly just kind of get into the rhythm with their body as well. And yeah. they're just not they're not feeling the affections of God in their heart. And I know you've already said this, but I just kind of want you to reiterate and kind of emphasize yeah. that fact that it doesn't have to include feeling, though it leads to feeling eventually.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think the, the thing there, Isaac, to, to remember is that everyone's going to go through that time. I mean, I go through it every Sunday when you don't necessarily feel anything the question is what do you do with that where do you turn your focus where do you turn your eyes so even when I'm leading you know I might think oh I'm more conscious right now of you know what tempo the drummers playing or you know those those people out there who aren't singing at that moment I want to give all my effort to thinking about the truths I'm singing now that's assuming that I'm singing words that are worth meditating on <laughs> because that, that's not always the case but assuming that you're singing good songs, thinking about them you know applying my heart to them just seeking to you know immerse myself in the truth that's coming out of my mouth and let that affect me you know it may be a, a song or two before i begin to realize what what's really happening but oftentimes it's just a line you know we're singing and it's just a line we realize oh wow that is me that is really me and that's the Holy Spirit working. But unless we're actually singing and participating, it's it's rare that that happens.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's really good and that's very helpful. Thank you, thank you, Bob, for that. I, I have a couple questions that are sort of outside that realm of of, of worship. And we just, if you're listening, that's just scratching the surface on on the topic of of worship. And we just. That's awesome, Bob, that you've helped us through that. But a couple of questions, just because you are someone that's thought a lot about worshiping God through music. You've written on this. Again, like I said, you've done conferences and a lot of speaking on this. And I think this is a question that's becoming more and more prevalent as more and more worship songs are kind of going off on the internet and just, you know, everyone's singing them. Here's a question I think many Christians struggle with. If you don't agree with the theology of a corporate worship song, or even it's just a line or two, from the song, I think some people can struggle with: Should I be singing this publicly amongst my brothers and sisters in Christ? Why? Why or why not?
1: Yeah, there's a wide range of songs that would fall into that category. You know, some are just an unclear line, and in that case, it would be no problem. You know, you just you import your own meaning into it, and it may be a, a line that's repeated a lot, and in that case, I'll often just fill in between the lines with you know, maybe with some more substantive thoughts. I'll either say them or I'll sing them. If it's a line that, you know, i give you an example, a very popular song, you know, you didn't want heaven without us. It's the first line of verse two of What a Beautiful Name, which is a, an amazing song, I think, apart from that line. I can understand how that line might be understood. You created heaven or, you know, heaven existed and, and you created everything so that we would be a part of it. But but it can sound like, unfortunately, you know, God didn't want heaven apart from us. Almost like it wasn't complete. It wasn't sufficient. And I, yeah, that's not true. And I think the writers know that, too. It's just an unclear line. So if I was staying in the congregation, I wouldn't sing that line. But I, I don't know if, if people are uh, actually watching us that closely <laughs> to see uh, you know, someone might come up to to us afterwards and say, "What did you think about that line?" And that might give us an opportunity to, you know, further explain.
0: Yeah, no, that's good, and and, and one more—that's very helpful, Bob. One more kind of question, sort of along those lines. Paul says in in Philippians that there are some of these preachers that are preaching for the wrong intentions, you know, for mm-hmm. for money. Yeah. But he's yeah. like, I rejoice in it because people are still hearing the gospel. Yeah. With yeah. with that in mind, Bob, I, I guess some people also are, struggle with: Should I be singing a song that's really solid and it's awesome, though perhaps their author or the, the church behind that, maybe there are some questionable things with that. Yeah. Do you sort of take that in the same realm as Paul and like he re- you rejoice in it because it's good? Or do you think there's some other things there as well?
1: Well, absolutely. But I think the category that uh, determines whether or not you should do it is edification. If it's a distraction to a number of people, then I wouldn't lead it. If it's not a distraction, then I would, you know. And it's also a factor too, Isaac, of what kind of teaching you're getting at your church. So, you know, if your church preaches the Word of God faithfully and, you know, it's clear that the scripture has authority over everything you do, you know, if you do a song from a group where you might not agree with a lot of their practices or their theology, they'll know that you picked that song because of the works and not because you approve of that ministry. So I think it's helpful to to realize that you know, if you only do one or two songs from a group, that's a statement. They might be putting out, you know, hundreds of songs, but you're only doing one or two. That, that's saying to people, look, we're choosing this song because it speaks truth and it, it's going to minister to us. But having said that, if a song, you know, is going to cause a lot of people in the church to stumble and be distracted, well, then it's not worth doing
0: yeah, that's good. And the, the main point there, like you said at the very beginning, is edification. What is going to edify, lift up the, the community of believers, and not distract them? That's right. Thank you so much, Bob. We're at the end of our time now. I really do appreciate your time with us today, your wisdom, obviously, in this area as well. For those listening who are interested in hearing more from Bob and also from Sovereign Grace Music, uh, I have two sites for you to check out. One is worshipmatters.com which you'll find this blog roll from Bob and and other resources as well. And the other site is sovereigngracemusic.org, which is just this massive, awesome, great resource site. Um, (laughs) Honestly, like my wife and I were just using it the other uh, last week to prepare for some worship at church. So anyways, this is great if you're interested in congregational worship songs and some of the stuff that like some of the resources are just incredible on there. So I thank you, Bob and the crew for doing that. But yeah, thanks again, Bob, and I hope to have you back on again.
1: Isaac, thanks so much. It's been an honor.
0: That was worship leader and author Bob Coughlin. You know, Bob talked about the fact that to worship God doesn't have to include feelings, at least in part. He said that feelings certainly come, but they're not immediately necessary when we worship. You know, we can worship God with our minds and with our bodies. We can honor and obey him without necessarily feeling like it. In fact, a good chunk of the Christian life is worshiping God without feeling like it. Now, sometimes if we don't feel like worshiping God, then we won't worship God, you know. And I think that's a mistake. And close to worshiping God is actually pursuing God. This act of moving closer to Him. And if we're honest with ourselves, we don't constantly or consistently pursue God. Let's let's think about this for a moment. We can define pursuing God as consciously thinking, speaking, and acting in such a way that demonstrates our love for God. So, the only time when we'll be able to pursue God this way consistently will be in heaven, obviously. Well, on earth, you know, we're constantly faced with the sin in our lives. Sin causes every thought, word, and deed to be less than pure in the eyes of God. Now, this doesn't mean we quit striving for more of God. It just means we have a humility when bringing our best to God, knowing that even our best is stained a little bit by sin. But even our stained best is what God desires from us. Now, certainly Jesus wouldn't have said, you shall love the Lord your God with everything if he didn't actually mean it, right? So what about when we're not naturally inclined to love the Lord our God with everything that we are? What about when we don't want to pursue him, when we don't want to worship him? What do we do? The first thing we should note is that pursuing God or loving God with everything isn't dependent on how we may feel toward him at any given moment. We could say the same thing about worshipping him. Put simply, God doesn't desire our pursuit of him only when we feel like pursuing him. He desires and he actually commands our pursuit of him and worship of him even when we don't feel like it. This would mean that our pursuit of God is more than just heart affections, right? When we don't want to pursue God, we're subconsciously looking at our heart's affections and determining that there's nothing there for God. And the reality is that that's going to happen a lot in life, but we're to never justify not pursuing God because it's not from the heart. That's just a weak excuse. Rather, we are to focus on the mind. We should be thinking about the gospel. Walk through it, even though it may be hard if your heart's not in it. Just walk yourself through the gospel. Talk to another Christian. Talk to a brother or sister in Christ who is feeling affections for Christ. And, you know, have them encourage you. And also just read and listen to the Bible. That's also what Bob said. Anyways, if In Doubt is a ministry that you enjoy, that you gain from, or perhaps you believe in our mission to bring the gospel to relevant issues of life and faith, then perhaps you'd prayerfully consider making a donation. Everything we do at InDoubt is given out for free, yet it costs us money to create it all. If you'd like to support us in this way, it's really easy to do so. Just click the donate button and follow the simple instructions at indoubt.ca if you live in Canada, or indoubt.com if you live in the States. Well, that wraps up today's episode. We hope you join us next week as we host another conversation on life and faith. We'll see you then. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. InDoubt is a ministry that exists to engage young people with biblical truth and provide answers for many of today's questions of life, faith, and culture. Through audio programs, articles, and blogs, Indoubt reaches out to encourage, strengthen, and disciple young adults. To check out all the resources of Indoubt, visit indoubt.ca in Canada or indoubt.com in the US. Or if you're in a position or share a passion for the ministry of young people, you can support the ongoing mission of engaging a new generation with the truth of the Bible. First, you can pray for this ministry. And second, and if you are able, please consider a financial gift by visiting indoubt.ca in Canada or indoubt.com in the U.S. Your gift of any amount is such a blessing and an answer to prayer. Thanks.